You're listening to Beyond the Measure, episode 25. Listen as I, a young composer, and my wife, a young choir director, interview other music educators in order to gain insight into their own success in the classroom. We have a lot to learn, and we want you to learn with us. No matter your age, ensemble, or experience, this is the ideal podcast for music educators, composers, and students alike. So join us as we go beyond the measure. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Measure. This is one of your co-hosts, Kara, and I'm here with... Christian, the other co-host. Yeah. Yes. Um, How's it going, Christian? <laughs> it's going good. Uh, we're just looking at each other weird because I had no idea how to respond to introducing myself, even though we've done this so many times. <laughs> if you're new here... um. This is a music education podcast um, where we basically um, interview music educators um, of all different backgrounds, band, choir, orchestra, um, and we just kind of get to know their story and get some more insight and advice on what they have experienced. We just want to say thank you for, for joining us and giving this podcast uh, a shot as you listen. Uh, we, if, if this is not your first time and you've been listening before, we really appreciate uh, your support. Uh, we would actually love it if you left us a rating and or review on whichever platform uh, you listen to. That would greatly benefit our podcast and to help it grow uh, in the future. But um, without further ado, we'll tell you a little bit more about uh, today's guest. Um, so today we interview uh, Dr. Troy Robertson. Uh, he's the director uh, of choirs at Tarleton State University and the conductor of the Cross Timbers Civic Chorale. Uh, he's the founder of Cora Moore. Uh, and before coming to Tarleton, he taught at Ithaca College and served for several years as a uh, choral director at East Gaston High School in North Carolina. He's also a composer whose works are published with Hinshaw Music, Santa Barbara Music Press, Cola Voce, and Music Spoke. Yeah, and you're going to hear in this conversation that, um, I mean, that's just a, I mean, that's like a few of the things he's he's worked with in, from that bio that we just read. Uh, he's going to kind of go down the list, and he has a wide variety of groups that he's worked with, a lot of great experiences. Mm -hmm. Um but I think one of the coolest things that that you're going to hear that we really want you to to get from this is he talks about the importance of having uh, basically what the foundation of your ensemble should be. And believe it or not, it's not necessarily uh, musical ability. That is a very important factor, of course, and we do talk about that. But ultimately, it boils down to the dynamic of the group and of the people in the ensemble and how it needs to be a supportive community. Uh, your members need to be able to lean off of each other because ultimately that's going to be the foundation that provides them to have the strength to work with each other and get better and grow as an ensemble. So without further ado, this is our interview with Dr. Troy Robertson. Troy, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We, we, re we re really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we were we were recommended that we interview uh, interview you from our, our friend Travis Lowry, who we had on a previous episode a while back, and um, and tell us again what what's your your connection to him? 
Well, Travis and I have known each other for several years. Uh, I sing in his choir at First United Methodist and here in Stephenville, which is a really outstanding choir for such a small town and a, and a relatively small church. And Travis does a great job with it. And he, in turn, sings in my community ensemble, uh, this uh, symphonic chorus, and also sings in my small men's choir that's usually about a dozen guys or so. Could you tell us what is what is it that you, you currently do in, in Stephenville? Well, I'm the director of choirs at uh, Tarleton State University, which means I am in charge of all of the choirs. I conduct them and I teach uh, conducting and uh, some of our methods courses. My PhD is technically in music education, even though that also focused on conducting um, from Florida State University. And um, then I also do uh, scholarships, recruiting. We do we do a whole lot of stuff. We're traveling in just a short while to England. Travis is actually going with us. Um, and just have a, have a great time with our various groups. We have a chamber choir. That's kind of our advanced ensemble. I think uh, this year we're at around 35 small men's choir, tenor bass, small, uh, treble choir. And then our symphonic chorus, uh, is usually around 100, 110. Um, I think this spring when it's usually a little bit less because we typically do a smaller program, we actually are going to have as many as uh, 90 or so. So I'm really excited about that group this year. It's been, it's been fantastic. And of those, uh, it's going to be around 30 that go with us to England. So that, that England chorus is going to be pretty sizable as well, but somewhere between 40 and 50. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of, a lot of people in your ensembles. That's impressive. In fact, we'll, we'll start with your story here in a minute, but, uh, in a little while, I think we'll definitely want to ask about just, you know, how do you, how do you get a program that big and everything? But, um, but before we get there, I mean, we, we'd love to just hear, you know, how did you, how did you come to, uh, first of all, how'd you just come to do music, uh, for a living? Um, and, and how'd you get to where you are now at Tarleton? Well, I, from what I understand, uh, I have the most common story there is, which is that I was going through school and did a lot of different things, but had the best teacher I'd ever had in the, in the person of Judy Spears. Uh, she is retired now and traveling the world with her, with her husband, Ira. But before that, she was just an amazing chorus teacher. She always had, you know, 10, 12 students every year at Georgia Allstate, usually one at Georgia Governor's Honors. Um, she became Georgia Music Educators Association president uh, shortly before she retired. Uh, just had a really wonderful career. And uh, the challenge that she offered us, as well as her focus on music literacy, because I couldn't read until I was in ninth grade, uh, it really pushed a lot of us toward music. We found that we really found we had something we loved in the form of chorus. And um, and from there, it was a question of could I get into a school where I felt like I'd receive the training I would need. So I went to Furman University and uh, graduated there in 2001. I uh, went from there to UNC Greensboro um, while I was at Furman, I studied with Bing Vic and Bill Thomas. And at UNC Greensboro, that was uh, when Bill Carroll was there. Uh, Bill Young is still there. And it was also Richard Cox before he passed away. Richard Cox is a kind of a um, a big name from ancient uh, ACDA history, not to, you know, um, you know, give away too much about him, but, uh, he, he was a great mentor as well as Bill and Bill. And then from there, I taught high school in North Carolina. I had, um, three choruses at East Gaston High School. We were on a four period day. So I had ninth grade, 10th grade, and then an upperclassman group, 11 and 12. While I was there, I taught with the Gaston County Choral Ensemble with Trip McGill, which is kind of a, uh, sort of a magnet community group. It was free for students, uh, from all over the county. 
I also served as the associate conductor of the Charlotte Oratorio Singers, which is the symphonic chorus for uh, the city of Charlotte, Charlotte Symphony, with uh, Scott Jarrett, and um, worked with their chamber group and their their symphonic group, and did some conducting as well as a lot of singing and, and a little bit of traveling, and um, worked for a uh, CBF church there in Gastonia as well, where I had uh, adults and children and youth and handbells and did all kinds of stuff. And then from there, I went to Florida State, as I mentioned, and I spent uh, one year, and, and there I studied with uh, uh, Andre Thomas and Kevin Fenton and Judy Bowers and Cliff Madsen. And then uh, after that, went to Ithaca College, where I was, I pretended to be Janet Galvan for a year uh, while she was on sabbatical, and uh, and then got my job at Tarleton. And this is actually my 11th year at Tarleton. It's hard to believe, but I'm in year 11. Man, I mean, one of the one of the recurring themes we really have with a lot of people we interview on here is one that they they just have such a wide either a wide variety of experiences on, you know, where they've taught and where they've sung and conducted um and or just just the types of um types of ensembles and different sort of situations and scenarios that they've been able to put their skills to use. And, um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just a really, really long list of, of places that you've been able to go. (laughs) I mean, and and that's, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh no, 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 that's, it's great. And so, I mean, I'm just curious, are there any of, out of all those places you named, I don't know if it's easy to pick a favorite, but are there any that stick out to you as really being, you know, integral and, in um, in growing you as a musician and as a, uh, as a educator? No, no. I mean, uh, every experience I've had has been so vital uh, to who I am now, I, I I could never pick out one that was the most important. And of, of those, all those mentors that I named, and especially including uh, Trip McGill in Gaston County, and uh, and his his actually one of his feeder teachers, Ellen Brown. Uh, they're both now retired. Uh, all those folks uh, have made me who I am, and I, I owe a great debt to all those students and teachers and colleagues. It's been a it's been a great experience. So I kind of want to know. So you just mentioned this earlier, right, right before you're, you know, you, you kind of got into, you know, everything that you've done so far. Um, you, you got a good number of good number of uh, students in your choral program at Tarleton. First of all, I'm curious when you when you first came to Tarleton, were, were the numbers similar or did it look any any different at the time? Well, Tarleton has always been sort of a small program. And so, you know, my chamber choir is 35, but I have a, I have a, you know, a decent number of non-majors in that ensemble. Uh, so it's, it's still a small program. Uh, we have a, about 120 music majors at Tarleton, most of whom are instrumentalists. Um, and before I came to Tarleton, Chuck Reeves was the director of uh, choirs there. And Chuck had been there for 29 years. The name that um, is sort of better known than either Chuck or myself in Texas is Herb Teat, who was at one time TMEA president and uh, was just an amazing educator. I believe he had come to Tarleton from Westminster Choir College, uh, if I recall correctly. I, I may be mistaken, but I think that was his background. And uh, so Tarleton has, has had a pretty long history of a great choral program um, and and turning out great, especially music teachers. Uh, well, we went to Hardin Simmons, and so <laughs> the numbers that you say are just like much larger yeah. <laughs> than what we experienced. <laughs> like, um, what our first year, our freshman year, our, like our choir program was. I mean, 
it, it was probably around 40 or so yeah. students, 40 to 50. And, and you know, at a, at a smaller school like Hardin Simmons, that's a lot. Well, Fer- Furman Singers was 120. So <laughs> that was that was my undergraduate experience. Furman was uh, 120 there. So I, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, pe- people probably listening from that go to like, you know, like UNT or, or whatever, like the big schools are probably listening to us like, what? That's that's not big. Uh, <laughs> that's like mid-size or something. Right. You know? But uh, no, that's yeah. that's great. But now I know Hardin Simmons and, and uh, have sung with the Abilene Chamber Singers a couple of times mm. actually and, and have great. a lot of uh, respect for especially Clell and his son, uh, Josh. So, yeah. 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 They're great people. And, and, and what's nice about, what's nice about Tarleton and Stephenville is it's it's a it's a bit of a drive from Abilene, but it's not like super far. It's like it's like an hour and a half, I think. So it's it's one of those kind of nice. Um, uh, it's y'all are kind of like I feel like y'all are kind of our first big uh, music neighbor, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and going to Abilene always feels like I've arrived in in the real Texas because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got a feeling of being a little more out west than, uh, mm. than where we are. <laughs> Now you you also compose choral music, is that correct? Yes, <laughs> something I've always enjoyed. Uh, I don't do nearly as much as I used to, but uh, but yeah, I, I I have written a number of pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. And so, um, I mean, I I always just have to ask this, you know, since you know, since I'm a composer, and when we have guests on that have uh, experience in composing, and maybe even have you know published works out there. Um, you know, first of all, how did you, I mean, how did you come to start composing? Was that, was that something you just kind of did as a hobby or did it, was it something that kind of started out a necessity or, or how'd that get going? I've, I've found that the creative efforts I've made that I've enjoyed the most in my life um, have always been the product of just realizing like, Oh, I can, I can do this. Uh, and so I started um, by beginning to write for, AP theory in high school for Mrs. Spears, who I mentioned for Judy Spears. Uh-huh. Uh, I think my first full arrangement was found a peanut, which nobody uh, ever performed. Um, and then <laughs> when I went to Furman, I was in a men's group and I probably wrote, I don't know, 15 or 20 pieces hmm. for that men's group. Uh, a few of which were pretty good. And I went on to sort of reset for different ensembles um, and, and, several of which were really poor, uh, but uh, sort of forced all my friends to sing them anyway. Um, and then I, I kind of took a bit of a hiatus when I was teaching high school. I mean, I, you know, all those jobs I listed off, you know, several of them were while I was teaching high school. And so I was pretty stretched. Well, I was stretched beyond thin. I was mm. you know, really almost stretched to breaking. Uh, and I only wrote a couple pieces during that time, one of which is actually published. However, I wrote a little setting of Patapan for my 10th graders, um, mm. and that's published through Henshaw. Um, and then when I went back to Florida State uh, for my doctoral degree, one of the things you have to do as a professor is to you're expected to contribute creatively. And that can be through performance or through historical work or whatever. Um, and I knew I liked composing. So I sort of picked that back up again, was uh, really fortunate to have a mentor in Kevin Fenton who really loves my writing. Uh, you know, he's I'm. I, I feel like he must be my biggest fan because he really encouraged me. Uh, Andre Thomas encouraged me and put one of my pieces into his choral series. Um, uh, actually, I think it was Patapan. Uh, <laughs> that was that was the first one that he pulled into his choral series. Um, and uh, and then from there, I, I wrote a piece for the University Singers when they sang at National ACDA 
in Dallas. Um, and the piece that folks would probably know of mine uh, in Meeting We Are Blessed, um, I wrote for Kevin when he took Festival Singers of Florida to Kenya. And, uh, and I was actually fortunate enough to end up going on that trip. And uh, since that time, that piece has really been championed by, um, by several people, but especially uh, Tessa Wanamaniu up at uh, St. Olaf and, um, and Jessica Napolis at UNT. And, um, and so I think it, it takes a champion to sort of get a piece out there and give it an audience. But, uh, but those two have really been advocates for my music, as well as uh, Jeffrey Benson at San Jose State University. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. And I bet it definitely helped having, you know, with how, how far around you've been and all those different sort of connections you had, I, I would imagine that that really played a big role in, um, you know, having some or already having those pre-established. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it does play a role. Yeah. And, and it, and it, uh, it's funny, you know, maybe you've, you've experienced this yourself as a composer, but you never quite know what folks are going to take to that you write. And, uh, you know, and meeting where blessed was, was something I wrote in maybe, you know, a few days. And, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like it's the worst for it, but it's not something I'd been stewing over for months and months and months, but that's the one that kind of took off and by far has sold, uh, the most copies of, of anything I've written by, by probably a couple orders of magnitude. Now, I, now I want to ask about, um, going back to your, your choir program at Tarleton, we were, you know, we were kind of talking about the numbers and everything, but numbers aside, um, you know, what, what all do you, do you do? Cause again, like compared to us, Tarleton is a larger campus. Obviously it's not a, not ginormous compared to a lot of other larger state schools, but for a campus, that's pretty good size. Um, you know, what, what do you, what do y'all do to, to try to keep, um, keep students interested in choir that, and keep them coming in. And, and as far as like recruitment and retention goes. Well, I'll start with the most uh, boring element, which is that we are really lucky to have great support from the university in the form of scholarships. And also we get a little bit of a, a budget. And so those things are indispensable. You, you really need to have the support of the institution. And Tarleton is a wonderful place to work for that reason. Um, and then toward the kind of the heart of the matter, when I was in Furman Singers at Furman University, which is in South Carolina, Bing Vic had a little motto, uh, which was uh, discipline, discipline, beauty, excellence. And he had taken that from a letter he received, uh, sort of a fan letter he received from somebody when they had gone on tour. And that was his motto. And uh, I've, I've modified it slightly to, um, to uh, community uh, excellence, beauty, and uh, and use that for my own group. And I, the, my emphasis is really as a teacher and as a choral director on the community, because I had an experience uh, early on, and I won't name any names, uh, when I was in a, you know, a quote unquote professional ensemble. Uh, I was 22. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm a good reader and a good musician and have a nice voice. Um, and so I got in there and I was like, wow, this is great to be performing at a high level. And that lasted maybe a month, uh, but the group didn't really speak to each other. And did, there wasn't a sense that they really liked each other. And it was sort of like, look how great we are. We're doing all this difficult repertoire and boy, we can really sing. And that was when it was really driven home to me that excellence was not super motivating for me. Um, I've been in some amazing ensembles um, at Furman and UNC Greensboro and at Florida State University. And I've been really, really proud of some of my uh, choirs at Tarleton. Um, but it's always 
the moments that we have that are part of our experience together as a community, uh, being in a special place or having worked really, really hard together, overcoming the difficulties of a particular um, event. I mean, we can all think of the COVID pandemic, for example, we worked really, really, really hard uh, during that time. I mean, that was a, some of the hardest I've worked in my entire life. Um, you know, those are always the things that that have made me feel great about what I do is is that overcoming and and bringing people together into a sense of community. And um, I would say that uh, in terms of the numbers, I think that's really a testament to that sense of community because those numbers in that big chorus I mentioned, those are largely driven by the Stephenville community. And you probably know Stephenville is not a big place. Uh, so we have, you know, a pretty decent size symphonic chorus. It's only about 20 less people than I sang with in Charlotte um, in a city that is about, I don't know, a 20th the size of Charlotte. I don't even know how big Charlotte is these days, but much, much, much smaller than Charlotte. And not only do we have the numbers of people, but also that community when I call on them, we have a need. They immediately respond. We've been able to establish an endowed account to um, fund our Masterworks concert that's with the Fort Worth Symphony. Uh, on this trip to England, they contributed over $8,000 to those students being able to go on the trip and to really bring down the cost for those students. They, they really come together, I, I think, because of that that sort of sense of community and coherence that's part of the group so really important to me and i think it i think it bears fruit wow first of all that i mean that's incredible that's such a great explanation on that um i i want to know when it comes to fostering that community um that that supportive community and well first of all i do want to say like i completely agree with you i think we Mm -hmm. both i think i can speak for both of us We've experienced stuff like that as well, just um, in a professional group like that, very like snobby, uppity type of everybody just thinks that they're the best. (laughs) And like, there's not really like that. Yeah, we're all coming to make music together, but we're not like, I don't know the right word to use, but. Yeah, a little more, little more individualistic approach yeah. than than team driven. I, I think it's it's definitely easier to to fall into that mindset f- with the more when you know the more professional of an ensemble you're in. Um, you know that humility is very important when it comes to mm-hmm. forming that community. Um, and honestly, I, I think I think that's something that a lot of I would assume a lot of us, because I went through it, it, you know, especially, you know, becoming an adult and, and singing a lot more professional, you know, intense stuff. There there really are times where I'm like, man, I miss high school choir, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, for, for those kind of things every every now and then. But um but but I wanted to I wanted to say that it what what you said also reminded me of uh again, I won't name names, but I was at a a high school at one time and I was in their band hall. Uh, and this is going to definitely sound like a, a Texas band thing to say. Um, there was a huge, there was a huge sign that, that was like, it was like that paper and it had been painted and it was up across the top of the the room. And it just said, good is greater than fun. It was like good, greater than sign, fun. <laughs> and I remember, I remember looking at that and thinking, man, I, I get what they're saying, but yeah. also you know, there, there's pros and cons to that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I also, I, I will say I'm always looking for that balance because there are people who, who 
they are fired up by aesthetic experiences and by excellence. And if you don't give them aesthetic experiences and excellence, they don't want to be part of the ensemble. So it's a, it's a tough balance to strike. And, um, and I've probably erred on both sides of it at one time or another. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely a hard balance to, to, to get to, um, if, if ever, honestly, but, um, (laughs) now, now you, you said, um, you named like, there were like, there was like community and excellence or what were the, what were those three things that you, you adapted? Well, and, and well, and that's the, that's the reason for the motto community excellence and beauty, because uh, one of my mentors, Judy Bowers, uh, she's retired recently from Florida state university. One of the, another one of the absolute greatest teachers I've ever known. Um, her phrase was they have to have an aesthetic experience. And she was talking about everybody from second graders through, uh, you know, through adults. Um, and so I think that beauty component is, is important, is very important. It's one of those three legs of the, of the stool. Let us take a quick break real quick so I can tell you a little bit about this podcast's primary sponsor, which is Christian Fortner Music. That's right, my own music business. This is the primary platform that I use to sell my music, and you can uh, find it at www.christianfortner, that's F-O-R-T-N-E-R, music.com. Now, you may be thinking, oh, I don't know, this guy is a young composer. Does he really know what he's doing? Well, (laughs) to be honest, none of us composers really know what we're doing if if we're being completely honest with ourselves. But if you want to kind of get an idea of what my music might be like and if it might be a good fit for your ensemble, you can actually uh, get a free copy of music from me. That's right, a free piece of music. This isn't just a study score. This is a full score and parts that you can use for your ensemble to perform completely for free. And you can do that by signing up for my mailing list. So if you go to my website, Christian Fortner, that's F-O-R-T-N-E-R, music.com slash mailings, you can sign up for my mailing list right there and you'll get a link in your inbox where you can select a piece of music for either choir, string orchestra, or band. And I should also mention that the choir piece, it can be either an SAB, SA, or TB version. So uh, for any of you out there that are looking for SAB, SA, TB, specific voicings like that, then this might be a good opportunity for you. Uh, So yeah, that's about it. Again, if that's something you'd be interested in, just check it out on my website. And now we can get back to the episode. So with those, since first of all, I think it's great that you have, you've specifically designed and, and, you know, you've decided this is going to be our foundation as a choral program. Um, I think that's something that's really easy to, to kind of forget about. And, you know, you know, with any, not just choral programs, music programs, but, you know, organizations in general of like, okay, we need to stop and decide you know, what is going to be our, our values and our foundation of what we're striving towards, because without that vision, you have no direction. Right. Um, and so my, my question for you is when it comes to achieving those different things, first of all, do you, do you openly communicate that to your choirs or is that more of a behind the scenes thing that you're just helping you make decisions on how you run, uh, how you run the program? No, not only do I communicate to them, I, I tell them it is in priority order, uh, that I want them first to be good neighbors to one another, that everyone is going to have a bad time if there are people uh, sort of souring the experience. And so I want them first and foremost to be a good community, and then things can follow from there. That excellence component is uh, my friend uh, Jeff Redding talks about a scale from one to ten. 
And uh, one to five is what I would call excellence. And he talks about that being basically knowledge and skills. And for him, his, his word that he is always on is passion. And that, that for him is six to 10. Um, for me, that excellence just means we've got to strive to be the best that we can be. Um, and then beauty is a complicated thing. I think some people really feel like it is a thing. Um, I don't know that I would agree with that. My favorite two performances I've ever heard in my life were my uh, son's pre-K choir and uh, the Villages Choir from Florida, which is a retiree community uh, and a choir of 200. And I don't know if that it was the most aesthetically pure performance I've ever heard, but to see 120 members of that choir uh, with thousands of years of experience up on the stage, literally, was that was one of the most beautiful performances I've ever heard. Yeah, we can relate to that too. I mean, we we've been to performances and, um, you, you know, before where, kind of like what you're saying is, you know, you listen and it's like, and especially when it's in person, and you can see the people and you can always just kind of get the vibe of an ensemble, right? Just by just by being there. Um, and and there have been so many times where you know we'll be listening and and. And afterward, you know, concert performance is done and, and we'll we'll walk out and we'll say, you know, maybe that wasn't like the the most perfect performance we've ever heard, but man, were they being completely real and yeah. genuine on that stage? And that's what actually makes us want to go back and hear them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that I mean, again, my friend Jeff, his emphasis is all about passion. And uh, people follow that. Man, they love to sing for him. I love to sing for him. Uh, and, uh, and that's a lesson. So, so what other, uh, what other techniques, uh, do you, do you use to kind of really just implement, um, that sort of community within your program? Is that just something you just kind of, you just kind of say at the start of the semester and hope they roll with it or, <laughs> or any other methods you have for that? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm working on it all the time. Um, I plan events throughout the year, you know, I'm sure like many people do, you know, acquire dinners, little get togethers, retreats. Um, I try to make it clear by spending time with students. You know, they all have my cell phone. I'm not like, you know, texting them on a regular basis, but they know that I'm available if they need something uh, related to choir. I, I think I do manage to maintain the appropriate distance. Some of them ha- from time to time have called me dad. Uh, so, you know, I think they have the right attitude toward me. Um but there is a sense that I care about each of them individually, whether they're a music major or not, whether they're super skilled or not. I try to make it clear from my interactions with them and I try to interact with them often. It's deliberate. You know, you hear this tips for new teachers, you know, be in the doorway when they're coming in, you know, hang out for a few minutes afterward, take an interest in, in what they care about. I think that has to be genuine, but those are, are definitely things that are, they are in my mind. I want them to know that I, I care about them as individuals. Um, and then beyond that, uh, I try to, my high school teachers certainly do this. I try to communicate to them that I don't value them for their skills. Um, that, you know, no matter how good you are, (laughs) you know, where this, this is a choir where we're all trying to pull together in the same direction. Uh, no matter how good you are, you know, I don't know that your musical skills, knowledge, attainment, uh, should be a particular point of pride in this room. We are here to work together and to be a team. Um, I try to also communicate to them that negativity, um, whether it's inside of rehearsal or outside or or not things that I'm going to put up with. Um, 
I'm not as good as some people at, at sort of ferreting that out, <laughs> uh, mainly because I'm not, you know, up in their business. So I don't necessarily always know uh, what the problem is. Um, but yeah, so there are many things that I do throughout the year to try to foster that sense of community. I'll say with particular regard to the structure of the choirs um, in my community group, as well as everything except chamber choir, uh, there is an audition in which I try to just assess the person's skills, but that's not to kick somebody out. So anybody's welcome to sing in any of those groups. And um, different folks have urged me over the years to pare down chamber choir. And I am, I, I do that, but usually only for work ethic, attitude, attendance, not for um, singing ability. It's usually for, are you contributing? Well, actually, it relates back to that sense of community. Are you contributing to the community of chamber choir? Are you a happy camper? Are you working hard? Are you standing beside us every day? Or are you sort of pulling us down with your attitude and lack of attendance and things like that? I mean, I'm a middle school choir teacher, so a lot of the recruiting and retention stuff that um, you're talking about in like choosing people for your choir is kind of what I'm already having to figure out for next year, like who's going to be in my um, varsity choirs. And I have some kids that right now, you know, they have wonderful voices and are very talented, but I, but they have such poor negative attitudes. And so um, <clears throat> I would much rather have like, maybe not as a strong of a singer, but has a great attitude and contributes a lot more, um, you know, to, my class to the choir yeah and that's that's tough yeah um but that's stuff that i'm sorry you broke up and i thought you stopped oh no it's okay <laughs> uh but yeah that's what those are just some things that i'm i mean those those things are really important attitude for sure and if they're you know contributing yeah and it's something i was scared of as a new teacher when i taught high school i had 150 in my program as a high school teacher and it was only three classes and so they were big um and I was a new teacher and I thought, well, numbers are what everybody cares about. And of course, we sort of, <laughs> we sort of began this conversation talking about numbers. But, um, you know, in hindsight, looking back at myself as a young teacher, I think what I would have said is, listen, um, it's important to have numbers, but a choir can be 16 people. What really matters is the heart of the group and are people there to make it a great experience for everyone or are they there for themselves? And, um, and I think I would have been a little more uh, interested in my top ensemble, quote unquote, being a group where I said, listen, if you're not going to, you know, be part of what we're all trying to accomplish here, you're going to stay in that middle group. Um, you know, maybe not kick them out, although there were, <laughs> there were, there were a few in my first year or two or three of teaching that I should have kicked out of the program because of other, you know, behavior issues. Um, but I, I would have been more eager to create an environment, not necessarily a musical environment, but just a total environment for that top ensemble. And that's what I try to do at Tarleton. I'm, I'm trying to learn after 20 something years of teaching. I, I think about the, uh, I just thought about the movie Rudy. <laughs> there's a, there's a scene, um, where, you know, if anyone's listening that hasn't seen the movie Rudy based off a true story, but, but in the movie, um, you know, Rudy has, has finally made his dream team, which is, which is Notre Dame. And, and, you know, he's a really small guy, but his, his attitude and his passion is mm -hmm. just off the charts. And, and, you know, he's in practice with them and obviously he's the smallest guy and he's easily getting, you know, 
knocked around, but like he won't give up. And, and it almost gets to the point where some of the, the teammates actually start getting annoyed with him. Cause it's like, dude, just chill out. Like you're probably not even end up, you know, playing at any point. And at one point, one of the, the leaders, he gets all mad and he like pushes him off and, and the coach just like goes off on him. And, and he's like, well, he's, he's being a, a little jerk or whatever. And, and the coach responds, I'd rather have a team full of, uh, uh, guys with Rudy's attitude than than you than your strength or something yeah. like that, and I, I just think of that same kind of thing. It's about the quality of your attitude more than it is uh, the quality of you know your voice or your instrument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and students, you know, I do have performance majors, and um, you know, performance majors are probably a lot more like football in the sense that there is a bigger guy and a smaller guy, and there is a skill set, and you it's rare air up at the top. Um, but the reality is that almost nobody is going to be doing that. I mean, I know a few people out of the hundreds and hundreds of musicians I've encountered over the years who are singing with the Houston Opera, with the Metropolitan Opera, um, you know, who've gone on to pop careers and won awards. I, I do know a few, um, and I feel privileged to know them. But one thing I always tell my students is I was never in any doubt about their commitment to being the best and it never affected their willingness to get up every day, smile, and do their absolute best. So really, they still would have been the people I would have wanted in the choir um, because that was their attitude from the minute they walked out of their room every day. I want to ask, if there is, if there is one, I don't want to say one because there might be a few things, but, but if there's something that that if, you know, if you could tell, like, let's say there's, there's a young, like, you know, there's a, there's a college student listening, or there's a young person listening that's, you know, they're wanting to go into the, the music education field. And, um, if, if you could just give them any, any specific pieces of advice that you think, uh, are going to make the biggest difference for them going forward, I mean, what would, what would you tell them? Well, I, I probably do have a few. I think first, uh, the thing that comes to mind is a piece of advice I would give myself even now, which is that um, worry over teacher pay and uh, music being cut from the schools has been around for as long as I've been <laughs> aware that being a teacher was a profession that you could have. Um, and so for folks who are interested in music education and want to be teachers, um, you know, there is a career there. And a dear friend of mine uh, has a great saying, which is that uh, your gift will make a place for you. And I would take that in two ways. If you are, if you want to be a music educator, work hard and your gift will make a place for you. If music education happens to go away for a little while here in the U.S., your gift will make a place for you. You'll find something else to do. But if you want to be a teacher, go for it and don't let those big global worries get in the way. The other thing I would say to that young person, because again, this was me when I was 20 or whatever, is that everything in your life up to this point has been, let's get to the end of the semester and then you're going to get that A. That is not teaching. Um, I believe the figure is that master teaching, most uh, people feel it takes 10 years. And um, I know for me, it took at least that long to get to a place where I felt like, hey, I think I kind of know what I'm doing. And um, you don't feel ready. Well, you're not going to be ready. You're going to do the best you can for a long time and learn the hard way. (laughs) In many cases, uh, real lessons that are going to be taught to you by students who need you. And while you're learning those lessons, you're going to be serving them. And there's nothing better than that. I think about uh, something that... uh that 
Dr. D. Romines at Hardin Simmons, he had, he would always tell us is he always said that um, great great students make great teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it was kind of a kind of a triple meaning there. You know, one obviously, if you're a good student, you'll, be, you'll become a you know good teacher, but also uh, students make you a good teacher. Good yeah. students make you a good teacher. Um, but then also the students themselves are teachers to you <laughs> and, uh, as a teacher. Uh, and I mean, like, I think that that's something to just remind ourselves, especially those of us in the education field is like, man, the greatest teachers that you have are the ones that you're standing in front of every day yeah. in class. Absolutely. Good and bad. <laughs> yeah yeah if anything the the the, wor- the the bad ones probably teach you a little bit more those are the probably the best <laughs> teachers believe it or not <laughs> maybe so yeah. well um is, is there anything else that that you feel like you you'd like to discuss just while you're here on this platform i think the only thing uh that i, I typically like to say um whenever i'm on an education um show where i might be talking to folks who are early in their career is um you know, uh, I talk to young people a lot about being creative, uh, because I'm often asked to talk about, um, when I, when I did, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but Coramore, where, uh, I ended up doing something like 50 virtual choirs, um, in the course of that year, um, or with composing, that's another creative, um, area where, uh, I'm sometimes asked to talk about that. Um, when I, talk to young people, it's a similar message to what I just said, which is that you've never had better tools than the ones that are in your hands today, and they've never been cheaper to be creative. And not only that, but to begin to put your creative work in front of others. And so uh, I always try to to tell them, please don't wait. If this is something you think you want to do, you must begin by making mistakes and making yourself vulnerable, and you can start right now. Um, And you will improve and make strides and you'll be amazed at the person you are in five years if you will begin to take steps forward. Um, and it's, it's strange. I feel like the tools are better than they ever have been before, but the anxiety and the fear of being vulnerable is perhaps greater than it ever has been before as well. So I would just encourage those folks who want to be creative to be brave and to, uh, and to start now. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, that, helps that helps me as a composer and i'm sure that helps mm-hmm. <laughs> you as yeah. a teacher kara um wow yeah no that's great honestly i don't that's probably a good place to kind of wrap this up i don't know if we can really top that that uh that nugget of wisdom <laughs> <laughs> well th- thank you both for inviting me on i I, did, I know that you didn't know me outside of uh travis's recommendation but i hope this is helpful to you and i wish you all the best in this podcast and your creative and teaching endeavors well, thank you very much. Thank you so much. And 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 last question before we go, um, for for anyone that's that wants to connect with you or is you know possibly interested in in your choral program, how how can they reach you and your choirs? Uh, well, the best way, if you're interested in choir, is just uh, to email me at robertson at tarleton edu, and uh, I won't mu- muddy the waters by giving more than one email address. So just robertson at tarleton edu for for whatever your questions are. Um, and then, um, I guess my website, maybe troydrobertson.com, uh, if they are interested in <laughs> seeing what I'm up to. I've got a lot of creative stuff in the works. I've kind of changed directions a little bit creatively here. Although I'm, 
I'm fortunate enough to have an Allstate coming up that I'm going to be conducting uh, next year. And so I'm, I'm working on some composing for the first time in a while and uh, trying to get ready for that. Oh, that's so cool. Wait, so, so you said you're going to be conducting Allstate next year. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 20, the 2024 next next school year, uh, the Tenor Base, California, Allstate. So I'm wow. excited to be able to head that way. And I'm going to take a piece gotcha. out there as well. Oh, that's super cool. Well, that, that'll be great. Um, we'll, we'll be sure to link all of all of those those things you mentioned uh, in, in the show notes for anyone that wants to connect with you. Um, Troy, thank you so much for, for coming on the show with us. We really appreciate it. This, is, this has been a great conversation. Thank you both.